Welcome to POP, the sermon podcast for Peace Lutheran Church in Gehenna, with Pastors Doug Warburton and Tony Katko. Our reading today comes from 1 John, and it's a short one, so let's put it on the screen. Beloved, let us love one another, because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. I mean, that's it, right? That's what it all is supposed to boil down to. God is love. At one point, Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? And you know what he says? He says, love. And he does it by quoting these two verses from the Old Testament, from Deuteronomy, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And then from Leviticus, love your neighbor as yourself. He says, all the law and the prophets, everything, it's all commentary on how to do this one essential message, love. And why? Why is that the essential message? Well, First John says, because God is love. That's the whole thing. If you want to live in harmony with God, you love everything that God loves, which is everything. I mean, I hope this isn't news to you. This is Nothing shocking, the heart of Christianity is love. But the harsh reality is that for a whole lot of people, the heart of Christianity has not been love in what they've experienced. Now yeah, is the teaching of the Bible love? Is the teaching of Jesus love? Sure, but for a whole lot of people, when they look at Christianity in the real world, that's not always what they experience. And sometimes that experience is personal. At Pub Theology this last week, we talked about this, and we asked everyone to share what the church has meant to them. And so a lot of people share the church's family, the church's this loving community, the church's this safe place to go and get support. But then someone was brave enough to say, I hear all that, but I've seen a different side of the church. I have experienced and I have seen the church be a place of trauma, a place that brings people guilt and shame. I mean, we all know, even if you haven't seen it, we all know that the church is a place where some people experience abuse of various kinds, not love. But this negative perception of Christianity, it isn't just that personal experience, it's broader than that, too. When a lot of people look at the impact of the church as a whole throughout history, the primary thing they see is the damage that it's done whether that's fair or not. It's not hard to see what they would think about. I mean, you think of all the violence done in the name of Christianity and other religions, right? Think of the Crusades of the colonial period. And the church has largely been anti-science, anti-intellectual, anti-women's rights, anti-LGBT rights more recently, and on and on. Now, of course, I hope you're thinking that's not the whole story. And it isn't, the church has done a lot of good too. But there's a good argument to be made that when you look as a whole, the net impact of Christianity, it's not so clearly a force for good in the world. It's one of the reasons, not the only reason, but it is a reason why a lot of people are leaving the religion of Christianity behind, even when that has nothing to do with Jesus. Last week, we started this series based on Brian McLaren's book, Do I Stay Christian? And maybe some of you wrestle with this question. I've talked with a couple people who do, 
And if that is you, then I hope that you can feel safe to be honest, to wrestle with that question here together. But I know the reality, not everyone is. There's a lot of people that you might wonder, why are we even doing this? I mean, we, why are you asking a church, do you stay Christian? We are here, right? This is a Christian church. But the reality is, even if we are not wrestling with that question, the world around us is. And so we need to give this some serious thought, not just ignore that reality. You know, at Pub Theology, again, Pastor Sally Padgett was there, and she mentioned the statistic she'd come across that in the past three years, about 10 million people have stopped attending church in the United States. There's this big shift going on, and we can't just ignore it. So for us, as a church, the people here, where do we go from here? How do we move forward? So last week, Pastor Doug introduced this series and he talked about how McLaren divides up this book into these three sections. The first section, he answers that question, do, you stay, do I stay Christian, with a no. Here are all the reasons not to. <laughs> now, this may seem weird, us giving you a book that says, no, don't stay Christian. But that's not the point to convince you to leave. The point is we need to understand better. Right? We need to understand that there are people of good conscience, faithful people, who have reasons to leave the institution of Christianity behind. It helps to understand that. But then the next section in that book is, yes, here are all the reasons, despite all the baggage that our religion carries, that it is still worth it to stay. But then that third section is what we're really focusing on. It's how. Okay, how do we do that? How do we be the church as we were meant to be? How do we make sure we are a force for good in the world? And this week, the chapter that we're focusing on is called Start with the Heart. So how do you move forward? You start with the heart. Now I know maybe that sounds a little cliche, but it's true. If you wanna change the world, you change how people live, and if you change how people live, you have to start with our hearts. And for McLaren, he uses the language of Human desire, that's what he means. So our heart is what we long for, it's what we pursue in our lives. And McLaren points this out. For better or worse, religion is desire formation. It helps to form what we desire, our heart's desire. And maybe not, that's not all that religion does, I would argue, but that is still an important part. And if you don't see the relevance of religion, a lot of people don't. I think, well, it's this individual choice and what people believe is up to them. Okay, but here is one really important role that religion has in the world around us. It can shape people's hearts and minds. And when you change hearts, you change how we live. So following Jesus, it's not really about just what beliefs you have. It's about changing lives, changing our desires. And that doesn't just mean changing your heart and making you into a nice person. That's good, but the stakes are a little bit higher than that. Just think of our role as a species on this planet. I mean, our collective human desire, what we want as a species and as nations, it has already reshaped this planet. And there have been some good things. <laughs> and there's been a whole lot of other not-so-good things about that. I mean, it's not an exaggeration to say that collective human desire 
literally has the power to destroy life as we know it on this planet, and it has the power to protect it. I mean, the stakes are that high. So if Christianity will make this positive impact on the world that God has made, we need to take this seriously, be intentional about how we are shaping human desire. Or to put it another way, it matters where our heart is. It matters if our heart, our desire, is to love everything that God has made or if our heart is focused on something else. So in the chapter, McLaren breaks up the ideal desires into these three different categories. So at the top is global, the desire for global well-being, and then societal well-being, human beings, and then personal well-being. And he says it's important to start with the top one because that's what's often been ignored throughout history. Now, if you think about it, it kind of makes sense that we've ignored that because for most of human history, the planet kind of took care of itself. We didn't have that much power. And then there was that whole be fruitful and multiply thing. We've kind of done that, right? Check, we can check that box, we filled the earth. And now we see that we do have this power to drastically reshape the earth. And so our calling is to be good stewards of the world. I mean, our first desire has to be to take care of the planet that we live on. And this isn't some new idea, right? This is back in Genesis, we're called to be good stewards, not just of human beings, but of the whole creation. And even if you're kind of selfish as a species, you only care about humans, we still need a home, and so we can't destroy this home that we're living on. McLaren says it like this. The well-being of any subsystem, any smaller part, right, depends on the well-being of the larger system, which it's a part of. So if you want to love people, that's great. You also have to love society. You also have to love the planet. So next on the list, down, after that global well-being, is societal well-being. We have to care about a healthy human system, which means that we need to love humanity as a whole, right? Love, we often think of it as these individual acts of kindness, and those matter, they do. It's just not the whole thing. Love is also, do we care about justice for all people? Do we care about structuring our society in a way that nobody is left out? I mean, I think there's a reason why the Bible so often focuses on all of the outsiders. Don't forget to take care of the poor and the widows and the orphans and the foreigners. That's how you measure if you are doing things right as a people. So Christian love is not just about the people we normally interact with, right? It's about how we interact and shape our world with everybody. But then we also have that third level of desire, the desire for personal well-being. We are called to love individuals, which includes loving ourselves. You know, our mission statement at Peace, it's to love God, neighbor, and self, which is just what Jesus says. And so that personal well-being, it matters, it does. It's just not the only thing that matters, or even the first thing on the list of what matters. I mean, I think one of the reasons why church in all its forms is still very relevant to the world is because it's this chance for us to get together. And that can be during worship, it can be during service, study, whatever it is. It's a chance to get together and remind each other that our love for Jesus means loving each of these layers in the world. That's what our faith is really about. Now you might wonder looking at this list, 
is there something missing here? Because from a Christian perspective, what about the love of God? So here's what McLaren says about that. Where, might you ask, does the love of God or spirit fit in? It doesn't. Love for the transcendent doesn't fit in with the others as one item on the list. Instead, it is inherent in the desire that we experience in the other three desires. Divine love is the nest in which the other desires are nurtured and is in, it is inherent in all other loves. I think this is just a different way of saying what First John was talking about, right? If you love anything, that is from God. To know love is to know God because God is love. So this all-encompassing love that we're called to as Christians, that's great. What do we do about the reality? What do we do about this reality that, okay, ideally that's how it happens, but there's this huge disconnect between what the church should be and then so often what the church actually has been. Now I want to tell you that if you've ever been frustrated with the church, you're not alone. If you've ever thought about just leaving it, you're not alone. I remember early on in seminary, I was talking with another seminary student, and we were both on this track to become pastors, and as students and young people who know everything do, right, we were complaining about all the things that are wrong with the church, complaining about hypocrisy that we'd seen, complaining about how so often church people focus on entirely the wrong things and miss the point. And at some point, I said, you know, if the church is going to survive, then we need to, and then my friend stopped me. He said, hold on. What do you mean if the church will survive? There is no if. The church is the group of people who follow God, and God isn't going anywhere, so neither is the church. It just might look different in the future, which means there might be big changes. Institutions like congregations and denominations, the ELCA, that at some point may cease to exist, but the church isn't going anywhere. It just might look different. In fact, sometimes things need to die in their current form in order for something new to be reborn, to be resurrected out of it. So even last week, in our first week doing this series, Do I Stay Christian? Pastor Doug and I, we heard from a number of you saying, this is great, I'm glad we're talking about this in the open. This is something we need to keep talking about. But we realized, and actually, someone helped us realize by sending us a nice, um, nice email about this, so thank you, Tim. Uh, we need to hear from other people, too. It can't just be Pastor Doug and I telling you what to think and then we move on. No, we want you to join the conversation, too. So one of our high school seniors, Natalie Fogel, um, who does a lot of video editing stuff in what she's studying in high school, she will be outside after worship. She was after the first service and this one too. And please, somebody stop with her. Um, I know some of you will, because she's been here since eight o'clock in the morning, all right? She's dedicated, so go and make this worth her time. Um, but she's gonna go and record, for any of you who are brave enough, your thoughts on these questions. Why are you a practicing Christian? Why do you go to church? Why do you think people are leaving Christianity? How do you think the church as a whole needs to change? And what gives you hope about the future of Christianity? Uh, depending on how long and how many responses is, we'll edit this into one or several videos and share them in, in some way going forward. But we really wanna hear from you. 
And it doesn't have to be this long, eloquent answer. It's really just, what is your gut telling you? What do you think about these things? And we didn't want to ask you to do something that we weren't willing to do ourselves. And so at the end of the day, Thursday, I grabbed Pastor Doug and Q, and I said, hey, you want to answer some questions? Sure. <laughs> didn't even prep them. And uh, we recorded their answers, and that's how we'll end this sermon time. But I hope that after worship, some of you will stick around and join the conversation too. In a world where people are leaving the church, why are you a practicing Christian? Well, for me, first and foremost, it's always been about love of Jesus. Um, I love studying him, love uh, trying to follow uh, his teachings and understanding who he was and the fact that he uh, announced to us what God is like. So that's always been priority number one for me as to why I'm a Christian. And the second thing is I just love being a part of community. And I can't imagine not being a part of a faith community like peace. I am a practicing Christian because it grounds me. Um, the world seems to move faster and faster every year, and as I get older, I have more and more that I have to do, and it is very important to me to have that moment to center myself, to find who I am in the world. Why do you think people are leaving Christianity? Uh, I think increasingly busy world where people are finding connection in other ways, but at the same time, we're also finding that those people aren't finding connection like they think they are. Uh, some of that may be due to social media, what, whatever, but, uh, uh, but people aren't seeing the priority of it anymore. And I think the church has an opportunity to um, help kind of point out what our priorities are again. I think the world is moving so fast and people look at Christianity as something they don't have time for. Um, and not something that helps them. And so I think that there's a shift in perspective. Um, a lot of us growing up were made to go to church by our parents. It was something that we did, and it wasn't necessarily taught to us as a rewarding experience that you get something from it. But personally, I find that I get more from church than I give in the time going to church. How do you think the church as a whole needs to change? I think the church needs to work on being more inclusive, less judgmental, and more flexible. The world is busier, and offering a variety of times and activities um, to help accommodate people's lives will make that first step in easier so that they can feel at home and comfortable. I think we continue to uh, realize that the more outreach, the more community connection that we can provide and be a part of to partner with outside organizations and to be an important part of the community where you find yourselves is uh, a growth area that all churches can uh, take advantage of and further their ministries just by uh, doing more outside the walls of the church. And last question, what gives you hope about the future of Christianity? Our children and youth give me hope. Um, I, I am blessed to work a lot with Vacation Bible School and these kids who don't actually come to church but are here for a week. And their insights, I truly think that they are going to fix the world and save it all. You know, a lot of people are saying, okay, the church is declining. And, and statistically, sure it is. But every time the church has declined throughout history, something has brought it back. Uh, whether it's a leader with... Uh, fresh new ministry, outreach ministry, or different way of thinking, uh, it has always come back. And so even in decline, there's always the opportunity for a fresh renewal.